Welcome to this episode of SDI Encounters, a podcast from SDI, the home of spiritual companionship. I'm Matt Whitney. Learn more about us and our work on our website, sdicompanions.org. Who is a spiritual companion? A spiritual director is a spiritual companion. So is a life coach. So is a chaplain, a hospice nurse, really anybody in a caring vocation. But it can also be a type of person who lives and listens in ways that embody this type of caring. That is, a spiritual companion need not do it as a job. Some of us are spiritual companions in the way we honor our relationships to family, friends, colleagues, neighbors, the land, our ancestors, and the cosmos. So there are lots of ways the role of spiritual companionship manifests, and SDI celebrates the diversity of practices and people who identify as one. But how does one identify or see themselves and others as a spiritual companion? In April 2020's Listen publication, Executive Director Reverend Seifu Anil Singh Malaris wrote a reflection called The Dimensions of Spiritual Companionship. These are a series of characteristics and skills that a companion lives into and practices in their life. What are the characteristics of a spiritual companion? Reverend Seifu's various dimensions invite us to consider this. And I think it's important to note that one need not embody all of these dimensions. But I think each one should give us some pause, at least, in which one might consider, how do I practice this dimension? How do I embody it? How do I live it out? In an ongoing series of episodes, Reverend Seifu and I will have conversations around each of these dimensions as a way to unpack and get to know each of them in depth. And as you listen, I invite you to consider each for yourself. The way that you understand each dimension need not reflect how we understand it. But I hope that these conversations spark either a knowing within you or a good curiosity. So what we're going to talk about here, Reverend Seifu, is this hallmark of a spiritual companion, exploration of the unknown. We position ourselves in groundlessness, parentheses, so as to achieve maximum stability, moving toward the unknown with our companions courageously and fearlessly. We acknowledge that entering the field of the beyond requires us to shed our preconceptions, to be humble, welcoming, and willing to let go. We also need to be ready to explore the shadows and sufferings that feed our collective spiritual growth. Is this a universal quality that a spiritual companion should have, is being willing to explore the unknown? Yeah, I think it is, because spiritual companions are, spiritual companions to what, right? It's, it's to a joint exploration of deeper meaning, of deeper purpose, of transcendent purpose, really, in many ways, is an accurate way to describe it. It's basically, as we were discussing recently, you and I, what happens after we die? What happens when we leave these physical bodies that we're inhabiting right at the moment? But also what's happening right now. And so there is this grappling with issues of ultimate meaning. That's, that's the terminology I, I was looking for. 
And that is something that is shared across the board. All spiritual companion journeys are explorations of ultimate meaning. And it doesn't matter whether you're a Christian or a Hindu or Buddhist or eco-spiritualist or atheist, whatever form or label you put on yourself, you're really trying to break through to this deeper exploration and this deeper meaning. So yes, I would say it's a common hallmark, absolutely. Before I get into the, the sort of nitty gritty of that, I can hear people in my head pushing back against that and saying, well, there is certainty. Uh, I do have a sense of deeper meaning and transcendence. I do have a sense of what happens when I die, and I actually can articulate that. Yeah. How does one reconcile those certainties with sense that I don't really know? Yeah, you know, I, I think it's, a, it's an excellent question. But I also believe that letting go of our certainties is the gateway to God, the gateway to the beyond, that those certainties bring us only so far. They're important because they help us hone our abilities. They help us hone our intuition and our discernment, and they feed our faith. Most importantly, they feed our faith. And yet our certainties bring us to the door. And once we cross through that door, we have to leave them behind. Right? I've, I've spoken often about that parable of crossing the Dharmic stream on a raft. And the raft is the tools, the certainties that help us cross that stream. And once we get to the other side, we don't then carry the raft on our shoulders, right? We drop that raft so that we can, so that we can move and flow easily beyond them. So I think dropping certainties is a requirement. And every mystic that I've ever read states the same thing, regardless of whether they're Christian mystics or Muslim mystics or Zen mystics. Get naked. If you are approaching the edge of infinity, the edge of the beyond, or the face of God, approach with humility. And approaching with humility means drop all your preconceptions. Let go of everything you thought you knew. Get ready for everything you don't know. Get ready for everything that you fear and dread in some way, but long for and anticipate at the same time, right? Drop everything, basically. So to answer your question more succinctly, our spiritual certainties carry us only so far. And after a certain point, they become dead weight. They become baggage that really holds us back. I mentioned the word humility, and I could have picked any number of other words, but it's basically let go of everything you think you know because you really don't know anything and god or the universe or the great beyond can teach you that lesson the easy way or the hard way <laughs> your choice yeah yeah my choice my choice you know all of our choices so as a spiritual companion how does one invite their companion into that unknowing yeah, I mean, I think, I think it's similar to the way that you and I are inviting each other into conversation around this right now, which is in a world where we're, we're grappling for certainty, the first thing we need to accept when we're exploring our spirituality is that we don't know what the ultimate outcome is, or even if it's correct to use the word outcome. We know that we're that there is an invitation, that the universe is inviting us at this very moment, as I'm speaking to you, to say, 
Okay, let's let's just focus. Let's let's not worry about your art studio or my my room here, my you know zabuton behind me. Let's just drop everything and enter into a flow that nurtures our spirit, that basically invites our spirit in ways that are going to resonate beyond the few minutes that you and I are speaking about this. To go, I want to sit on top of the mountain and let the the wind speak to me as if God were addressing me, you know, him or herself, however however you want to describe it. I'm going to listen to the sound of birds and a way I've never listened to them before is these magnificent creatures that reflect the sum total of the universe's invitation to us or, or invitation to remember. So, so I'd say it's very similar to the process that we're engaging in right now in this dialogue is, you know, I'm saying a bunch of things and, and I can tell that it's stimulating things in you that you already know because you've explored this path, you've been exploring this path now for, for quite some time, but where you're going, yeah, I know what you mean. Yeah, I know, you know, where, where there's that flash of recognition, not just in what I'm saying, but in yourself, where you're going, I know what that means. I understand what that means. And that's where I want to be. I want to feel and remember what it means to be part of everything. I want to feel and remember what it means to have a deeper purpose than mundane lives that we sometimes lead. So I think it's, it's, it's very similar to what we're doing right now. Yeah. That recalling of what it feels like or, or what that experience is to be rooted in the unrootedness, maybe. This sort of paradoxical being and unbeing. Is, it's kind of the only way to, to describe it. You are somebody who has practiced this a long time and somebody who has been practicing Buddhism for a long time. So you have, Zen has its techniques to help you get there. How does a companion help somebody remember, somebody recall that? And I'm thinking particularly of maybe new companions, people who are doing spiritual direction or companionship for the first time. And this journey is kind of scary. Letting go of certainty is hard. And it's being uprooted and being the unknowing but not having any sense of equilibrium, suddenly unstable ground where once there was stable ground. It's kind of like learning how to be on a boat, right? I don't know if you've done sailing. I'm guessing you have done some sailing. You've been on boats. Uh, and probably everybody has to some certain extent. And you know what they say about developing sea legs, right? So it's one thing to do a nice little boat ride for on um, quiet waters for an hour or two hours. That's usually no sweat for most people. It's another thing to get on a boat and be on off dry land for days. And there you're gonna have to find your sea legs. You're gonna have you're gonna deal with seasickness. You're gonna deal with a different sense of what it means to be stable and unstable. And the journey to spiritual growth that, that our spiritual companions help us with is to say it's the certainty of dry land is gone. And the wobbliness and uncertainty of being on a ship kind of unmoored and floating on the water is a nice metaphor for, for the spiritual journey. And I would say also that once you get on the boat and you've been on it for days and you do this repeatedly in your life, you get on boats, 
it becomes second nature. I mean, being on an airplane is the same thing, right? A lot of people are afraid to be on airplanes and they get airsick and they get very uncomfortable and very anxious and very nervous. And until they've done it so many times that they don't even think about it anymore. And so in some ways, what we're doing as spiritual companions is saying, okay, let's get on this boat. I'm going to go with you. And as you start to experience being seasick or you start to to deal with your anxieties about, oh my gosh, I'm never going to see land again, right? Or I'm going to die out here in the water. I'm going to drown. I'm going to fall overboard and I'm going to drown. Very real, very distinct possibility uh, to say, well, look, there's guardrails all around. This is a good, solid, stable ship. Yes, riding through dangerous waters, but if you follow certain steps, which I can show you because I've been doing this for a long time, you're going to be okay. And we're going to get to our destination, whatever it might be. And I don't want to stress the metaphor too much, but it's basically learning how to become stable in a new medium. Yeah, actually, it's a great metaphor because I hate flying in airplanes. And in particular, I hate turbulence. And no matter how many times I fly or how many times, you know, I've met a Boeing engineer who's like, and those planes are so safe, like they're designed to bounce around on the air. I feel like I'm going to die when the plane just gets really bumpy yeah. and you can feel the speed of the plane, you know, it's going 600 miles an hour. And normally on a smooth flight, it just feels like you're sitting in a, in a quiet room. Mm-hmm. But when it gets turbulent, you feel that speed and it feels very unnatural and I just get, I get really terrified. And it's just like white knuckles gripping the seats. And, and I just think like, maybe this is how I go. Like maybe like I've come face to face with the facts that I'm going to die and I don't have control over that. Mm-hmm. Right? I don't have access to I don't know how to fly a plane. I don't have access to cockpits. All I can do is sit here and kind of receive this turbulence and, write it out you know and i guess that's the face of of being unmoored and unrooted like all you can do is kind of write it but it's so uncomfortable and it's not something that i ever looked forward to and the invitation to explore the unknown is it's a kind of a scary proposition well you know there's there's a duality in it because it's both heaven and hell, right? There, there's a possibility of both of those extremes. You could get on an airplane on a quiet day for the first time in your life and be 30 or 40,000 feet above the earth and just go, oh my God, I have never seen anything like this in my life. I've never had this kind of perspective on the world that I live in, right? I'm seeing new things and I'm feeling elated, I'm up in the air, I, you know, I have this vision and perspective that I've never had. Or you can be, as you were describing, going from Seattle to Japan in the middle of a, in one of the typhoons and the plane is not, is just like, and you're going to die, you're going to die and you don't feel safe and imminent, death is imminent, right? In 40 seconds, you're plummeting down the ground and you're dead, right? I mean, it's, it's very quick and very final and uh and and with with no preparation other than you say your hail marys or you recite your sutras or whatever it is and so it's there is that duality of the experience and 
and you know, go to go back to the to the spiritual companion. The spiritual companion is basically saying, you know, for your first trip up, we're going to pick a nice, quiet, sunny day with no wind and no storms, and you're going to have that first experience of flying in a way that's gonna that's gonna open up the possibilities to you and not freak freak you out. But the corollary is that at some point. You're going to have to get on an airplane when it's not so stable and be equally comfortable. And so it's, it's kind of like being trained in this new modality and leaving aside the airplane analogy for a second, it's, it's actually not my plane as your spiritual companion. It's your own plane. In this case, you're piloting. It's your plane, you're the pilot. And your plane, your pilot means it's your own spiritual sense of belonging to something deeper and however you want to describe that however you want to reach that point it does require confronting your fear of death because that's really at the essence right that's what calls us to the beyond and onto god more actively than anything else in our lives is the knowledge that we're here temporarily and whether we deal with that or ignore it at some point we're going to have to deal with it because everybody has to and so I think that's what the spiritual companion does. It says, I've been there, I've done this, I can help you. Even though it's your journey and ultimately you're flying solo on your airplane, right? Ultimately, you're going to have to fly solo on your airplane because this is a solitary journey in some ways, even though we all experience it. It's a communal journey too, but it's going to be a solitary journey for a while. want to invite all SDI members to update their profile for our find a spiritual companion guide. It's super easy to do. Go to sdicompanions.org, uh, find the members tab in the navigation and click on my account, log in and update with a photo and some basic information so that potential seekers and spiritual travelers can find you. If you're not a member of SDI and you're curious just know that we would love to have you as part of this public square of spiritual companionship. You do not need to be a spiritual director or a life coach or a guide to be a member. If you're interested in this work of companioning one another, if you do it in a organic way with others, with friends, uh, we are a place for you too. If you're interested in contemplative practice and interfaith dialogue and inner spirituality, and being with a rich community of deep listeners, come join us. Come find us at sdicompanions.org and learn more. I think that's what makes spiritual companionship in this spiritual journey so vital because it is a solitary journey. It's a lonely journey. It can feel lonely and it's so singular. I was just talking with somebody about this, the notion that spirituality is a singular experience, that each of us experiences that journey very uniquely in our own way, though there are these commonalities. My experience of the divine is different than yours is. And so in exploring the unknown and the ways that I am called to experience it, I want to look around for teachers. I want help understanding that and 
what you end up realizing after a while is that like there's no teacher there's no teacher that can help you with this because there's nobody who's ever been like you before there's nobody who's ever been like me before there's so many paradoxes i i hear and i i, I think i understand what you're saying perfectly and it, it is true it is a solitary journey right I'm, my analogy for that part of the journey is kind of rowing a boat through the universe, through the blackness and darkness of the universe all along. Not a soul in sight anywhere. You are on your own. Sink or swim on your own. Nobody's got here to save you. The spiritual companion is gone. It's you. And yet there's the other side of that equation, which is all 7 billion of us right now on the planet and all however many trillions of beings have existed and, and will exist, all heed a similar call and are all capable of similar encounters with essence, however we describe it, right? So, so this, is, this is back to form and description versus the essence of the experience. St. Francis of Assisi or Teresa Varela or Rumi or Dogen sitting on top of a mountain going, there's not even any words that can possibly describe that experience. After we come back, then we say, oh, well, God showed me this, or I experienced the universe that way. But when you're up there on the mountain and the wind is blowing and the stars and, and you are just not yourself anymore, there's nothing left of you anymore. You're, you are the wind. You are the universe. You are God. You're part of God. And you experience God that way. That's universal, too. Right? Our, our, we, we decompose into little fragments and then we find our commonality again. So this, this whole journey from separate to together and from together to separate, you know, this, this, this kind of swinging back and forth from certainty to uncertainty, from the known to the unknown, all of these paradoxes are constantly rolling one into the other until finally they all kind of cease to be and dissolve into into this greater awareness. And anyway, I mean, I'm, I'm trying to describe the undescribable. I think you probably know what I mean. But for a lot of people who haven't experienced it, it's just like, oh my God, that, that doesn't, that's, you know, there's a part of me that really wants that for some people. And a lot of people go, oh, you know, no, not for me. Thank you. That's all nice and good. But I'm not, I don't want to do that. That sounds like death to me. And it, it is a form it of It is a death. It's a death. It's, it's dying. It's dying in a lot of different ways to those things that gave us prior safety and comfort and, and knowing. And, uh, you know, I'm glad you named that. Those are the kinds of, of sufferings, I think, that we have to process as we go on this journey. I can name it as being raised in a, in a Christian religion and kind of having all the answers there and being able to practice them. And yet hearing for myself, that voice, I don't hear it audibly, but it's clear. It's like, go deeper, come this way, come away from those spaces where you think you know me and come out here and, and see if you really want to get to know me in, a, in an intimate way, in a deeper way. And you have to let go of all of that because it's just getting in the way of you actually seeing me the way I want you to see me. It's hard. That's really beautifully said, I, and I agree, I agree with, it, with everything you just said. It, it, because it, it's grounding ourselves in ground. It's basically saying, you know what, I don't know anything. And God is not going to meet me until I acknowledge that. 
all the certainties I've built up are worth nothing. But it's that's what it is. It's just I'm going to use some intuitive metaphors. It's like losing the person in your life that you love the most. We all have people like that, right? Whether it's our parents or a partner that we had that we'll always long for and always pine for for the rest of our life, even if we're in happy, satisfied relationships right now, or a friend who committed suicide, or God forbid something happened to one of our children, right? I mean, it's just that sense of I couldn't possibly be have lost anything more than this, right? There, this I will just never recover from this kind of loss, and yet that loss, that pain, that suffering is the entryway into a deeper awareness beyond the certainties, you know, because we're not promised eternal life. I mean, we are theoretically, you know, theologically we are. But relatively speaking, we're not promised eternal life. We're here for a short time. We all know it. And I think we all hear the call. I think we all hear the call. And whether we heed it or not, or whether we're ready to heed it or not, is so many factors going, you know, in, in Buddhism and Hinduism, say you have to be karmically ready. And in other religions and other spiritualities, it's the same. It's the same basic idea is, are you ready? No, you're not ready. No, I'm not ready. No, I'm not ready. Until finally you say, I give up. I give up. And it's usually I give up comes when, oh, my God, this terrible thing just happened to me or to someone I love. And nothing makes sense to me anymore. And everything I thought I knew is gone. And I give up. I give up. And at that moment of I give up, that's when you can enter. It's the deepest of paradoxes. I hope that our conversation has stirred something in you. I invite you to take a moment to reflect. How do you identify with this dimension of spiritual companionship? Does it feel natural? Does it feel elusive? How does this dimension manifest in you? Is it something you desire to increase for yourself? I invite you to take a few breaths and tend to that stirring. If you're enjoying this podcast and you want to help us share and spread the word about the life-giving practice of spiritual companionship, you can help us out by subscribing to this podcast through your favorite app. You could give us a like or even write us a review. Thank you for listening. This is Matt Whitney with Spiritual Directors International. Thanks again for listening. Your time and your presence here are deeply appreciated. If you liked this show and would like us to continue making them, please do subscribe now while it's fresh on your mind. Also, we would love to hear from you, so please feel free to send in your comments and suggestions to the email address podcast at sdiworld.org. SDI is the home of spiritual companionship. 
Learn more about us and our work on our website, sdicompanions.org.